Our technology is starting to let us catch up to how they do things in heaven. Let me explain. We live now in a world that has top universities researching immersive simulation technologies, like Stanford and its Center for Immersive and Simulation-Based Learning. And there are businesses that specialize in mind training simulators, like those for large machinery that allow people to learn complex skills in a low-risk environment. And research is showing that simulation-based training is just like the real thing. Virtual reality has gone from a sci-fi fictional idea, or even simply games and recreation, to being a tool that is helping humans reach goals in new, more efficient, and thorough ways. Why would a simulation of something be as good functionally for learning as the real thing? It's part of the nature of who we are. Going inward into our own minds, our experience of our own body, is in a sense a simulation. Our brains are these amazing organs that take in just the sensory input needed to create a sense of the world around us. What we experience of the world is a simulation. Our perception of the world around us is a live feed from our senses. Our brains synthesize the input our senses give us and construct a cohesive experience. For example, we all have a blind spot where the optic nerve interrupts the light-sensing cells of the retina at the back of our eyes. But we don't walk around seeing that spot because our brains are so good at filling it in with what the nearby sensory information is suggesting is there. No, our whole brain serves consciousness. Or you could say, the brain serves the spirit. Our spirit is our whole self with a form of its own. And our spirit is our conscious experience of ourself that we experience in this world. Our spirit is what is learning and growing through sensory experiences. And the world it's native to, the spiritual world, is full of simulations. VR technologies in our world have their roots in a spiritual world phenomenon called representations. Representations are part and partial to the experience of spiritual language. Angels' speech is spontaneously visualized in multi-sensory ways. You know how we say a picture is worth a thousand words? That's the efficiency of language in the spiritual world. Beyond just being a part of the nature of language, the phenomenon of representations is used in specialized ways in a variety of settings. So in short, our advancing tech is helping to reveal the spiritual nature of the world and our own inherent spiritual nature. To learn about the nature of correspondences, see our show There is a Science to Your Connection to Heaven. To learn about our spiritual body, watch Your Spiritual Body. And to learn about the nature of spiritual language, watch How Spirits Talk. But to learn about the phenomenon of representations in heaven, how they're used for teaching, learning, healing, and intervention, and how those applications are showing up in modern immersive technologies, keep watching. Representations in heaven. How do you feel about technology? Well, fun fact, the technology that we have here in the world is actually bringing us closer to what heaven and the spiritual world is like. So what do I mean by that? Well, the time between thinking about something and manifesting it can be just a few seconds. And the way we can manifest ideas is becoming more vivid and more specific You've got all of your cell phones and your Zoom calls. You've got Alexa. You've got this video being a manifestation of thought. Swedenborg writes that spiritually thought brings presence. And now physically that's getting more and more true. We have technologies that even let us create simulations and immersive environments that you can plug into. I can put this on and then suddenly I'm there. But this is actually how it already was in heaven. Swedenborg 
than say virtual reality headset, although that would have been cool to prove that he knew the future. But what he said instead was representations or representatives to describe what we now looking through it think of as simulation and immersive technologies or something analogous to them in the spiritual world hundreds of years ago. This is how he describes them. In the world of spirits, representative objects emerge in countless numbers. Like, what are those? Almost constantly. They are the forms of spiritual and heavenly attributes that are not unlike forms found in the world. Spirits and angels always employ representations when they speak, too. The representations that accompany their speech are as rapid and fleeting as the thoughts expressed. So like a visual stream of consciousness with them. It is as if something were being described at length and at the same time displayed as a visual image. Surprising to say, any spiritual subject, no matter what it is, can be portrayed in a representative way by different kinds of images that are incomprehensible to people on earth. Within them, these images contain perceptions of truth and even more deeply, perceptions of goodness. So if you're a visual learner, you're going to be in luck there. So that's how it is in heaven. Just in heaven? No, this is true for us here too. This is again from Secrets of Heaven. Such things exist in people on earth too. We already have this because we are spirits clothed in a body. We've got both dimensions to us, and this is the evidence. Whenever we take words in with our ears, go ahead, you, you couldn't help it, you just took those ones and I just said, they rise up into our inner reaches. They transform into ideas that share some similarity with visual images. And you can sit with this process. It really does happen as I'm talking about, okay, a tree is, is falling over and somebody's stepping on top of it. You, know, you start to think about that. From visual images, they transform into intellectual ideas. And by this means, we perceive the word's meaning. Sorry to, to get you upset about that tree. It's going to be okay. They'll put it back up. If you think properly about this, you can grasp that you have inside you a spirit. This is how you can tell you have a spirit which is your inner self, and that your spirit talks in a representative way after separating from your body, since it does so while you are still alive. So those processes that you can observe right now, that's your spirit. And so the separating the body just leaves that, that thing you're already familiar with, is the you. We do not, plainly, we do not see plainly that it possesses this kind of speech, though, because of the dimness and even darkness that earthly, bodily, and worldly factors produce. We have to get ourselves to pay attention just to know it's happening because we're pretty distracted by the physical world, which is fine for the time being. But virtual reality in our world is making this obvious because we can feel like, oh, you really forget where you are even though you're in the same place. So what we're going to do is explore ways that simulation technology is used in heaven and then see the parallels and takeaways with how that's happening or just starting to happen or could happen here on earth. Teaching and learning. So we've got these representations slash spiritual technologies in heaven. And what do they do with them? Well, one of their primary uses is for teaching because these are so, such efficient means to encapsulate a concept. Scenes representing what is spiritual and heavenly sometimes occur in a long series lasting an hour or two, one after another, in an order that is astounding. There are certain communities in which this happens, and I was allowed to stay in them for many months. The representations are such 
that if I were to narrate and describe the chain of events in just one of them, it would fill many pages. The scenes are intensely pleasing, because something new and unexpected always comes next, and this keeps happening until the phenomenon being represented has been brought to perfect completion. When everything is complete, the viewer is able to take it all in at a single glance and at the same time to sense what the individual pieces of it symbolize. This is another way good spirits are introduced into spiritual and heavenly thinking. So this stuff is totally blowing Swedenborg's mind, and of course it would. Not only does it sound way more integrated and effective and amazing than anything we have here, but we didn't have anything we have here back then. He didn't even have DVDs back then or blockbuster video, no offense. That stuff, there was nothing analogous to it. But he says that all over there's these immersive experiences. One specific example of this is the opening story from his book, Married Love. Swedenborg talks about there's a bunch of spirits that have just arrived in the afterlife. So people like you and me who have died, and they get immersed in these series of experiences, these scenarios that line up with what they thought heaven was like or wanted heaven to be like when they were in the world. This stuff wasn't real, but they were these virtual environments conjured up for the purpose of letting these people live it out and see what it's like. Is, is that really heaven? It was just a very effective teaching tool. And these representations can be also extremely useful for teaching kids. The principal way of teaching children is through representative scenes suited to their frame of mind. No one could ever believe how beautiful and how full of inner wisdom these scenes are. Bit by bit, they fix in the children an intelligence that takes its soul from goodness. There are other representatives besides these, such as games that are appropriate to the minds of young children, which lead them into a knowledge of truth and a desire for goodness. Representative games? You're talking about the thing that brought me the most joy in my childhood, video games? possibly being used to teach these kids. Well, in our world, just this summer, the FDA approved a video game based on UCSF brain research as ADHD therapy for kids. It's the first video game therapeutic as a treatment for ADHD. It's just a start. Not all video games are good for you, but if, you, if we can start to use that technology to teach people effectively and start to approach these kind of amazing sounding representations that they have in heaven, who knows what else we can do to make sure every kind of person can learn in these really effective, amazing, and fun ways. Healing and intervention. So these representations are awesome. They can do a lot of cool stuff that human beings really need, and in some cases, they can be used to help people heal and heal emotionally or psychologically or spiritually and really effectively in a ways that we can't even always get at here in this world. We have a clip from our show, Five Reunions in the Afterlife, that shows these multiple people being entered into an immersive simulation scenario in which there's this grown adult who's put back into a childhood state or given the child version of himself as an avatar and then this allows for this communication to be opened up between him and his parents. 
because there was emotional barriers there before, but this simulation makes it so they can communicate in a way that allows this sense of loving connection to be restored. That wouldn't be so bad to get, get back in good with your, your mom and dad or sort that out in the right environment. In our world, there's lots of ways we don't quite have that yet, but we've started to use virtual reality for healing. Here's ways that people are using virtual reality to treat anxiety. We found this article on virtual reality for mental health and PTSD treatment. So there's all kinds of cool healing potential, but moving into the intervention stuff, which is a bit of a different animal, there are some applications of representations in the afterlife that are more intense than anything we're seeing on Earth yet. This particular using of representations, uh, Swedenborg called shatterings. Yeah. It sounds pretty intense. It's like this targeted spiritual intervention plan for breaking down our attachments to harmful desires and false principles, which that stuff is toxic to our spirit. We have to get freed from that stuff, if we're willing, to enter heaven. So this is the way it's got to go sometimes. Here he describes them in heaven and hell. They're, these are people who have convinced themselves of false principles, but still have lived good lives. False convictions cling hard, and until they're dispelled, truths cannot be seen and therefore cannot be accepted. So the practice for breaking down false ideas is one thing. It's not a cakewalk, but breaking down harmful desires is way more intense because that's at the core of who you are. So these more immersive, shattering experiences have to happen and have to happen multiple times. And they're actually repeated each time for working through a certain desire or idea. Like each, you're led into that desire, you have experience that makes you not want that thing anymore, it takes a little bit away, and over time, it all at once will be too much, but over time, we can back you out of that thing that's wrecking your life, but even though you don't realize it, and put you in a space where you start to love what's, what's good and what's true. So finally, people through these experiences develop an aversion to the negative, earthly cravings and interests that they had, and so they get rid of it. I don't know if you've ever had that, where there's something bogus that you used to love, and now I would never touch that. I would never do that. So once the process is over, and they're freed from this stuff, then they're pulled right up into heaven, introduced into these internal, spiritual, joyful concepts, and become angels. They're not trying to harm you. It's just like, gotta get this out of the way, because we want to bring you here, and now you're here. But it's not always fun getting there. We'll give you an example. One example of one of these processes is something that's called the Shroud. One of the more common penalties involves throwing a shroud over a spirit. In it, spirits gain the impression, from delusions they have brought on themselves, that they are under a shroud stretching far out around them. It is like a blanket of fog that thickens as they fantasize about it. Ablaze with the desire to break loose, they run back and forth under it at varying speeds until they grow exhausted. The experience usually lasts an hour, more or less, and entails pain of different kinds, depending on the intensity of their eagerness to free themselves. Those who see the truth, but still do not want to admit to it, because they love themselves, and who take constant offense that the truth should be what it is. 
some of the people under the shroud feel such anxiety and terror that they lose hope of ever gaining their freedom, as one who escaped once told me. Kind of intense, right? But it's, don't, don't worry, it's for science. I mean, it's all actually a pretty carefully controlled environment. So what's going on is they'll use these immersive experiences to guide whoever needs this therapy into the point of despair without actually hurting them. You got to reach that despair point psychologically or else you're never going to be willing to let go of attachment to the falsity of their harmful desire. Really what it is, is a freedom laboratory that gets them into the place where they can finally let go of this thing and then as soon as they let go, then they're comforted. After being comforted with the hope that they will receive help, the Lord takes those who have been devastated or purged up into heaven. So he takes them from a condition of shadow, which is one of ignorance, into a condition of light, which is one of enlightenment and therefore renewal, and accordingly into a joy that touches their inmost depths. The light they come into is real and is a kind of light that illuminates not only their eyes, but also their minds. The extent to which it restores them can be seen from the opposite state from which they were freed. Some of them, whose minds had been childlike and whose faith had been simple, now appear to themselves to be wearing brilliant white clothes. Some seem to be wearing crowns. Some travel around to different communities of angels and are welcomed lovingly everywhere as sisters and brothers. There, any kindness that can grace their new life is performed for them. Some are given the opportunity to see the vastness of heaven or the Lord's kingdom and to sense the bliss of the inhabitants. Not to mention countless other experiences that are indescribable. This is what the first stage of enlightenment, and therefore renewal, is like for people who are coming out of desolation. There's not a lot of this kind of application for virtual reality in our world currently, which is probably good. I don't know if I would trust us with it overall right now, but something somewhat similar is we've got new research into using virtual reality for developing empathy. And so using immersive experiences to gain a different perspective on something. And who doesn't want a new tool to help us develop a little bit of empathy? I think the world would do just fine with that. And that's what it's all about. Taking these magnificent tools that we've been somehow inspired to create and using them to make changes in people's hearts and minds, just like they're being used in the spiritual world. So let's look at, out into the future and think what, what can these new ways of interacting with human consciousness do for improving the human race's ability to heal and, and to intervene and, and do a sort of a different kind of healing when we need it. Okay, let's recap. Virtual reality seems to parallel these incredible spiritual training tools because it's not really about the physical thing here. The situation itself isn't real, but the decisions and actions and movements of the human inside of it are. So simulation tech works because that's 
the nature of our spirit. That, that's how our spirits grow. We each have an inward part and an outward part, or to put it another way, an inner self and an outer self. The outer self receives its life chiefly from the inner self, that is, from its spirit or soul. This is the origin of its actual life force as a general whole. That force cannot be received by the outer self in a detailed or distinct way unless there is an opening of its organic vessels, which are necessary for the reception of the specific influences from the inner self down to the most minute. So there has to be this give and take. These organic vessels necessary for reception are not opened up except by means of the senses, mainly hearing and sight. When they do open, the inner self can enter into in with its specific and minute details. Those vessels are opened by means of the senses, through facts and re religious knowledge, which are properties of the intellect, and also through appetites and pleasures, properties of the will. So what we learn and what we start to love, that changes the little microstructure of something in our outer self that lets our spirit interface with it. So the takeaway from this is that virtual reality on Earth could participate in that. It could have great potential to serve a similar role as an immersive teaching experience that the, that the afterlife experiences serve. But we've got to learn to use this stuff and all those other technologies we're talking about in a way that serves the opening of the inner self, as opposed to using it in ways that can close our inner self. It's a tool. We can use it for good or evil. Everybody knows that. But we, if we focus, we can get this right. It's something that we learn as we grow, as as society and with the technology. So it'll, it's normal that we're having a mix of results with it to begin with. And our outer self is always going to, regardless of whether you, what medium you're using, our outer self is always going to take in concepts that aren't compatible with, you know, spiritual truth and heavenly goodness. So focusing, when we focus on these worldly outer earth-like ego-based rewards as goals, this drags down our outer self and pulls it outward. So all we got to do is be able to identify and then dispel those distractions and then we'll pull in the right things that are compatible with goodness and truth. These things have to be done before the outer self can come into harmony with the inner self and technology can play a role in that. We can use it for good and something that's just cool and we wanted to share with you in this show is that the methods and modes we have accessible to us now resemble what's going on in heaven. So it should be that we have the potential to become more heaven-like in our capabilities on earth through proper use of the new stuff that's coming out. So let's do it and let's see if we can improve life for the human race. Off the Left Eye is Curtis Childs, director, producer, and host. Karen Childs, writer, community manager, and host. Chelsea Odner, writer, production manager, and host, and Jonathan Rose, host and series editor of the NCE. Shada Sullivan is the voice you love in our narrations. Stuart Farmer is our technical director. Matthew Childs, our video art director. Our motion designers are Meng Jong and Jesse Johnson. Reed McArdle made our music. Devin Osblond is our production intern. Cara Dom is our Latin consultant extraordinaire, and Chris Dunn is our digital marketing magician. And you are our much-loved listener. And now you can journey with us all week. Every Monday's Swedenborgen Life episode, including this one, has a week's worth of content lined up to support you in your exploration of these life-changing ideas. All video content premieres at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time, and 7 p.m. Greenwich Mean time on the Off the Left Eye YouTube, Facebook, and Simplecast channels. 
On Tuesdays, find us on social media or go to offthelefteye.com to get custom downloadable art paired with the week's topic to ground you through the week. On Wednesdays, join us to dig a little deeper into the week's topic with news from heaven. On Thursdays, we want to hear from you. We'll be sharing a new reflection question weekly on our community tab and social media channels. Then join us for Swedenborg Live on Fridays for our panel Q&A show. And listen every Sunday to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to always know what we're up to and what you can look forward to. If you want to help sustain Off the Left Eye's operations, consider becoming a monthly donor today. And right now, we have a matching gift challenge from a very generous donor couple where dollar for dollar up to $10,000 will be matched when you make a new or increased monthly donation. You can provide a direct gift or restrict it to our new Off the Left Eye Endowment Fund. Giving to the Endowment Fund is a great way to guarantee that your gifts live on to help Off the Left Eye forever. Go to otle.cosvox.com to become part of our essential community of donors. From all of us here at Off the Left Eye, we thank you.